Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Oh yes, it is time. OutKick 360 time across the OutKick network. We are live today from the OutKick network studios, 6th and Peabody broadcast studios, with old Smokey Moonshine and the here. He is Paul Kowarski. I'm Chad Whitfield. Jonathan Hutton, the handsome bearded man that's normally seated in between both of us. He is in Birmingham. We'll be talking to him a little bit later. Everyone else is here today except for David Reed. He's a little bit under the weather. We wish him well. We'll tell you who our entire cast consists of as the show goes on. Paul, good to see you. You had the voice going pretty well pregame, and the mic came on, and uh, you went into the more it went, sickly it went out. voice. I, I told Ryan Albanese Go ahead, that, cough it out. Yeah, I told Ryan Albanese. <coughs> That's a pregame ritual that we brought into All right. the, the actual game. There you go. Better? A little bit better? Yeah, the big news today is that Chad Withrow is officially out of his 30s, ladies and gentlemen. 40th birthday today. The beginning of the end, as I like to call it. Well, maybe that's what has me choked up. Yeah. I told Albany before, emotional. I said, when I try to project, my voice might go out. So pump so me up. So we're going to do so. a whispering show today. Um, it reminds me of our, our old buddy, Mark Howard, uh, at our old radio station, when he tried to push the through The call commercial. Hopefully my voice will be better than that throughout that the show. But who knows? Um, thank you, Paul. Thank you. It's, it's good to be 40. I, like I Bring tell on everyone, the cake. Like I tell everyone else, you know, it's, uh, I, I feel no different. I feel no different than 37. Than thirty-eight, than thirty-nine, you know, forty—it's uh, it's just a number if you allow it to be that. But Reading it's also glasses this. in no time. It's also this. I had the realization today that I'm twenty-five years away now from getting a dad. discount at the movie theater. <laughs> like I remember my dad when he turned sixty-five and going to the movies with him and using—is it sixty-five or fifty-five? You get the AARP card. <laughs> if it's fifty-five. I think it's 65, right? I got to start like, going to the movies again in two years. What do I have to look forward to next? And the only thing I could come up with was discount at the movie theaters with AARP cards. I, I have to say, uh, the 30s were a, a, a great decade. Yes. That's what yeah. I have to say about the 40s. No doubt about it. Um, you know, the 90s were a great decade for Jawan Howard. I'm trying to think of the right segue here. In yeah. Fab Five, it was a good time to going be Jawan Howard. Uh, it's, it's not been great since his first year with Michigan. The suspension comes down last night. It's what I said throughout the show yesterday. The logical solution was he doesn't coach the rest of the year. Now, what's going to happen is well, he's you got— thought it, you, you were assigning him the tournament off. Yes, also. yes, and that, that's what I'm you getting to. Harsher. So five games is the suspension. The remainder of the regular season, he will be allowed to coach Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. Um, look, I, I think it should be tournaments also. I'm okay with this. $40,000 fine. What I like about it, no other suspensions for coaches in this. I, I don't think Greg Gard deserved an, a suspension. I don't he think the fined, assistant right? coach, yeah, he got a, a ten grand, ten grand fine, which the AD at Wisconsin said we view this as a Wisconsin fine. He's not paying it. We're going to pay it on his behalf. So they continue to defend their coach with this. What do you think, Paul? Do they get it right? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I would have been okay with harsher, um, but I, I think it's a it's pretty harsh. Um, I think three of those games are against uh, top twenty five opponents, and uh, I, I think really it's about a message for d- down the road. Um, obviously, if he does this again, um, he'll be in really deep deep trouble. Um, and you know, I think the idea of a Michigan man and that whole meaning of what a Michigan man is, you know, I, I, I grew up with that kind of idea that a Michigan man means, you know, you behave with a certain honor, um, and, uh, carry yourself a certain way. And he's certainly not representing that. I don't know if I buy into the whole thing, uh, but Michigan men do. Um, and so he's not carrying himself that way. And I think, um, you know, this needs to be a wake up call for him that he, he can't lose his cool in the moment and has to uh, control himself. Well, and let me read a little bit of his uh, his apology. It was much better, M- but much obviously better. it's much better when you have time to go sit down at your desk and have talked to some mentors Absol- and the thing. Absolutely. He needs to be better in the moment. And he had cool down time. So the incident happens, but there's 10 minute cool down or whatever. And then when he sits down at the podium, he needs to be better than well, he was. So this let's, is let's good, get into I that. Think. I don't know if the AD, uh, Ward Manuel, I think is the AD yeah. at Michigan. I don't know if he was at the game in Madison. He's got to have someone in his corner, likely Phil Martelli, longtime yeah, head coach, someone that can get in his ear that he respects to say, hey, you got to go in there and apologize. You know, don't let this carry over. Just own it, and then let's get to the punishment. After that game, someone's got to get in his ear from locker room to press conference so he doesn't say what he did after that game. Here's what he's saying now. After taking time to reflect on all that happened, I realized how unacceptable both my actions and words were and how they affected so many. I am truly sorry. I'm offering my sincerest apology to my players, their families, my staff, my family, and the Michigan fans around the world. I would like to personally apologize to Wisconsin's assistant coach, Joe Krabenhoft, and his family, too. Lastly, to your point, Paul, I speak a lot about being a Michigan man and representing the University of Michigan with class and pride. I did not do that, nor did I set the right example in the right way for my student-athletes. I will learn from my mistake, and this mistake will never happen again. No excuses. Now, I think this was a good statement, statement, but notable in the omission. No apology to Wisconsin. No apology to Greg Gard. Apology to the assistant coach he hit. And no one else. So there's still some Should animosity have been more there. more sweeping to Wisconsin. Yes. Um, but it's a good statement. I like that he brought up the Michigan man point that he talks about, and he's got to be better with that. So that part of it I liked. Here's what I don't understand, Paul, and, and you brought the, this to our attention with Tom Izzo. And I've heard Dan Dockage talking about this, and I, I disagree with Dan on this point. When things like this happen, there's suddenly, anytime in any handshake line, if there's words, if anything happens – we get this old, tired debate about, well, why do we have a handshake line? What's the point? What's the point of the handshake line after the game? I mean, it's really, it's difficult at times, but it's a, it teaches lessons. Like, this is part of it. The, the handshake line is there, so when you lose, you have to stand there and shake the, other, the opponent's hand. And when you win, hopefully you win with a little bit of class, humility, and shake the opponent's hand. I think it's a good thing for sports. And, I, I, and, and this is also, this was unprecedented. This had never happened. Think of all of the games, the thousands of college basketball games. There's not been a time where a coach punched another coach 
in a handshake line. I think it's probably happened and we've forgotten about it. But nonetheless, you don't have one incident back away from it. Izzo was very good on this. He said his team would go handshake air rather than give it up. You've got to be able to to have have this moment that there's meaning to it. You, you've got a daughter now playing basketball and, and softball, and she's doing it. Um, you know, COVID backed kids off from it. I hope we get all the way back to it. We're still kind of tipping caps at, at Simon's baseball games. But uh, there is meaning in it. And you see lots of times uh, good come out of it where, you know, the guy who plays really well and loses – gets his due from from an opposing coach. Think what that handshake from a great coach, Mike Krzyzewski, means when he stops and says to the kid, man, you were all we could handle today. You know, hold your head high out of that. Uh, you got a big future ahead of you. I hope we don't have to play you again. Whatever kind of compliment See, it is. See, that's the biggest benefit to me. Yeah. The winning coach or player um, having the confidence but also the humility to say, you were great. Like I'm not looking forward to guarding you again. Great Congrats job. To you. Yeah, good luck the rest of the way. You know, just respect to an opponent that gave their all. Like that that's the good part of the handshake line. You're not getting that if you do that. And I've seen some coaches, I noticed Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt does this a lot where they give the wave on the way out. Like I, I don't think it's a disrespect thing, but it's just kind of their thing. They, you know, wave and acknowledge the coach and, you know, give him a thumbs up and walk away. But I, I don't I think a face-to-face I think, is, I think is important. We don't like do this, enough face-to-face anymore. Yeah, let's, let's focus on the incident with Jawan Howard and not turn it into some grand debate about the, the handshake line going away. Yeah, there's no epidemic of this going on, and, uh, and we should continue to do it. There's less and less face-to-face interaction because we talk so much on our phones. So when we have a sporting competition, it's completely fitting uh, to shake hands at the end of it. And some of it is storied tradition. I mean, we flip over to hockey at the end of a seven-game series where these guys have really come to hate each other, never mind one 40-minute basketball game. You're talking about a seven-game series where guys really develop a hate, any seven-game series. But hockey in particular, that handshake is a treasured tradition where you really probably hate in a lot of ways. But it is kind of the duty in hockey to, to stand up and congratulate the guy who advances or to, to sympathize with the guy who doesn't. Cause you've probably been on both sides of that line and you know what it feels like. And we did it. I, and uh, the predators lost uh, game six in the Stanley cup finals or game five here to the penguins. I think game six. And, uh, and we were lucky enough to be in the building and <clears throat> the home team lost. And I was bummed out that so many people left. I thought, hey, you got to stay and watch the tradition here. Your team lost, yeah. but now you you have a chance to watch the Stanley Cup ending handshake, which is a huge tradition, and the lifting of the cup, quite frankly. I thought it was weak that so many fans left. I got into arguments about this. It was good sports talk radio and everything. A lot of people made good cases. Why, hell, I'm getting out of here and turning my back on it and beating traffic. But I think staying for that moment, seeing that moment is part if of it, too, as a you pay for that ticket fan. for that event, you, you, yeah. should, you should do that. I'm, I'm with you. So Michigan now moving forward. Phil Martelli takes over. Longtime St. Joseph's coach. Been to a lot of NCAA tournaments. Great coach. Older not guy. Not a young guy. Takes over. A lot of experience, though. So he's the head coach for these five games. Final five games. Rutgers, who's been on a tear lately, getting into the NCAA tournament conversation. Illinois, who's a, a easily a tournament team. Michigan State. Not on the bubble right now, but working their way on, uh, on, in the wrong direction towards the bubble. 
Iowa, Ohio State, another NCAA tournament team. This is going to either cement their fate as a tournament team or knock them off the bubble. Right now, Michigan is in by most prognosticators, barely in the tournament. I find myself now, Paul, because I love the story, almost rooting for Michigan to win three of these games to make sure they're in the tournament because I want to see this Jawan Howard story, how it plays out when he comes back in tournament play. And if I may put my marketing hat on and my businessman hat on, there's a reason they didn't suspend him for that Big Ten tournament in well, Indianapolis. I want them to that, have That to was do. a joint decision by Michigan and the Big Ten. And the Big Ten, you know, is thinking, boy, I'd love to see a bracket that if both teams win, you could see Michigan, Wisconsin again in Jawan Howard coaching. And for NCAA tournament possibilities, Jawan Howard coaching in the NCAA tournament, you know what they're going to be talking about on CBS, TNT, TBS, True TV, wherever that game is played. I would like to have to see, I would like them to have to do enough in the Big Ten tournament so that Howard has to come back and coach them to some degree of, of legitimate success, not beating a couple pushovers early, but getting to the point where they win at least one big, tough matchup in the Big Ten tournament to get in so that he can score has to score some degree of redemption in order for this team to push to push on. So I don't know if that means that that probably means then that I'm rooting for them to to lose three out of five here or whatever that gets them into bubble territory. But I'm not consciously rooting for them to lose. I'm just rooting for that scenario because I'd like to see him do it instead of Phil Martelli do it. So this is a big Tuesday uh, in sports. we got a lot to get to. Aaron Rodgers has spoken on Instagram, and now everyone is speaking about that. He also spoke on the Pat McAfee show. We'll talk about that at the end of the next segment. If you're got, looking for a cleanse, he's got some advice. He's got cleanse advice. Jacob Swanson came in today saying he was looking for a cleanse. We've got Aaron Rodgers' cleanse for Jacob Swanson coming up. John McClain is going to join us from the Houston Chronicle. We'll talk NFL at 3 o'clock. We'll talk Deshaun Watson. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers. We'll talk about a lot of things going on in the NFL. Plus, Jonathan Hutton all day. He is live from Protective Stadium in Birmingham, Alabama for the USFL draft. He's got great guests coming up. Skip Holtz, one of the coaches in this league. Jeff Fisher. Yes, you know that name. He's going to join the show as well later today. Um, a lot to get to throughout today's show. And when we come back, Jonathan Hutton will join us live from Birmingham. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back, Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. We are live in downtown Nashville, 6th and Peabody Broadcast Studios 
with Old Smoky Moonshine and with Yeehaw Beer, it's no mistake that America loves its football and we can't get enough of it. We're the same way. We're like everyone else. The USFL knows that. That's why we're going to have spring football with the USFL. And that is why our very own Jonathan Hutton, who I said normally, his handsome face is right here in between me and Paul. He is in Birmingham today. He is at Protective Stadium. He is live from the USFL draft, and I'm sure that he's looking better than both of us. Jonathan Hutton, how are you today? Oh, look at you. Look at this. Look at this Behold. Guy. Look at the backdrop here. Look at, look at the beauty of football as we sit here in February, ahead of the combine, ahead of the NFL draft, and the USFL draft is tonight in Birmingham. Guys, I, I always miss being on the show, period. But, Paul, I, I miss being a part of the first segment. I'm assuming you guys got into Chad turning 40 years old. Happy birthday, uh, Chad Withrow. Anyone who wishes me a happy birthday today, I will accept in your honor. <laughs> And I appreciate that. It's funny. You know, everybody says that you go downhill at 40. So far, the only thing I've lost is my voice. Yeah. Uh, so other than that, you know, I'm, I'm doing great. Next comes his uh, reading, reading vision will be next is my prediction. No, there's a lot of other things that could go before that, too. I think it is Paul. awesome that you lost your voice on the day you turned 40. Yeah. You know, yeah. yesterday you were joking. I want to stress this. You were joking <laughs> about having the flu and having COVID and all this stuff because we were discussing the COVID protocol at the Combine. And then you wake up today without a voice. Paul, well, I wake up and I get a text, and it's like, hey, I, I don't have a voice, guys. This may not go well. We don't, we don't believe I'm, in jinxes, but if we did. I'm also, I can't help but think about Paul's buddy who would never admit to a hangover. I'm not hungover. I can promise you that. I've had people text me like, oh, a big night. I'm like, there was no big night on a Monday. I'm legitimately sick with something. But I feel like that guy now with COVID. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's not COVID, but you know, uh, there's some respiratory issues. My voice is going out. Uh, there's drainage. Yeah, there's been no fever. I, I promise you that. And the uh, thing I'm, is, I'm fine. You I'm going to be fine. You always sound worse. You always sound worse than you actually sound. Like you sound worse to yourself. I'm yes, saying because yeah. I go through this constantly, and you guys always tell me you sound fine. You sound fine in your own head. It sounds different as you speak. So, Chad, I can say, like, if you sound the way I sound whenever I think I'm sick, you sound fine today. Well, well I thought he sounded perfectly fine as we were getting ready for the show, and then the mics went on, and he sounded like crap. Well, it's funny because, <laughs> and, and, I, and, and Hutton knows this, but when you open a show, I told Albany's, I said, there's a chance that I'm going to try to project with my voice to get some energy going to open the show, and my voice is not going to be there. That's what happened. And it's going to sound different. Yeah. And the moment the mic came on, you know, normally I like to pride myself on a guy like, you know, turn the damn lights on and the mic on and let's go, and then I'll be fine. This was a time <laughs> where I was work. great. I mean, I was great pre-show. I had everybody <laughs> laughing. My voice sounded good. And those lights came on and the mic came on, and I started talking, and it was no voice. I gave him time no to go. cough. I, I had him step back and yeah, do his pre-show cough no on uh, during um, the show. Hutton, your voice still sounds terrific uh, there in Birmingham. So, Thank um, you. What's it like at the USFL draft? I know you've been talking to coaches. We're going to talk to a couple of them later. Uh, what's the format like? What, what's, it, what's it been like as you're getting ready for this first season and this first draft? Well, th this week has been a cram session, not just for us and learning about the USFL, but really the coaches and, and the teams involved. Uh, there are, I, I can tell you this, there are very few people with, within the USFL who have the, the list of quarterbacks uh, that will be selected tonight and, and the list of players, period. Like the, the, there are websites dedicated to USFL football 
that have been discussing, like, when are we going to get the player list? I, I know there is a list that the coaches have been discussing this. There's a list of about 400 to 500 players that are eligible based on USFL standards, which includes signing a contract with the USFL prior to tonight's draft, which starts at 6 o'clock here at uh, the stadium where the UAB Blazers play, uh, which, is, by the way, is a beautiful stadium, and we can hit that later. Um, but all the coaches are here, and when I say cram session, they've been in meetings all morning. They're in a current meeting right now where they're going over kind of the run-through of the draft, and they're, they're, they're learning where they select. Some guys are wondering what a snake draft is. If they don't play fantasy football, they probably have never seen that unless you follow, like, the Alliance or, or Leagues Past. I think that's the way to go with eight teams, and that's how they'll do it because they're doing it positionally. So they'll start the first round tonight with quarterbacks, and teams one through eight, Jeff Fisher with the Michigan Panthers has number one overall uh, the, the selection for tonight's USFL uh, uh, season for 2022. Um, so he'll have the first pick. And then from there, he, he waits 15 spots before he drafts again in the second round. So I think they're trying to map out like who may be there, how they go about selecting a quarterback uh, in the first round versus, you know, how do they go about selecting the eighth best defensive tackle, let's say as they move forward and progress through this draft. It, it's new to everybody. And a lot of these guys were announced in January, early January, and they're just now getting around to actually getting the minutia of what's going to happen here this evening. I, I can't say, like, I, I had a lunch downtown Birmingham uh, right before I popped over here to the stadium. There are a lot of people asking what's going on here. They know the USFL is here. All the games will be played here in Birmingham. They're really intrigued by the, the happenings with the draft and how they can find it. And, of course, I told them, Outkick 360. What are these guys going to make, Hut? What, uh, how much of a living wage is it for, for at least the months that, uh, that the league will go on? It's not that bad. I'll, I'll, I'll refer to the, the notes that I, I, I have on this, Paul, but uh, it's, a, it's a question I was asking, too. So let, let's just start with training camp. There will be 35 active roster players per team. They will then have a seven-man practice squad that they'll establish after training camp. So the four to 500 players that are draft eligible that have signed a contract with the USFL aren't necessarily going to play in the league. But to go to camp and, and go to camp and, and maybe not even make the roster, you're going to make $600 a week just for the option of having, having the chance to make the roster. From there, practice squad, I mentioned the seven-man practice squad, they'll get around $1,500 a week is what I was seeing and what I've been told. Um, and then active roster gets $4,500 a week plus an $850 win bonus per week. And that's a 10-week season, so that's 45000 if they play the duration of the 10 weeks here in Birmingham. And, that, and uh, games will be played Friday, Saturday, Sunday throughout the season. Of course, the season opener uh, takes place April 16th on Fox and on NBC. But they'll, they'll be playing in multiple stadiums here and then at Legion Field and they've got the hotel space. The hotel, by the way, reminds me of Indianapolis in some ways because they have the crosswalks um, from, from hotel to hotel to the stadium. So you actually don't even have to leave the, 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 the indoors to even get to the stadium if you're playing here uh, with, with the home of UAB. But they're renovated. They're really nice. And, um, you know, I, I checked them out before I came over here. I, I was impressed with it. They've got a Sheridan and uh, another really nice hotel across the street from us uh, that's state-of-the-art. Paul, PK would approve on, on how they're handling the players and the coaches, and I think the pay's pretty good, 
based on a 10-week run of things where they have a chance to latch on, especially the quarterbacks and the guys that you know are going to be on the roster for the duration of the season. So that counts housing. you got housing on top of that and probably some food. Yeah, well, so it, it, everything's taken care of within the hotel structure, right? So um, they've got a hotel deal. There's a hotel rate. Um, a lot of guys are going – and when I say the hotel rate, it's, it's very uh, affordable based on this money. Um, they also are going in on Airbnbs and stuff because, again, it's a, it's a 10-week deal. There's going to be practices here in town. Coaches want to be here too. Uh, that's where it's going to feel like the upstart. Right, they're they're trying to make sure these guys are in town, all in one location. Uh, but I don't think that's a bad thing because we've seen other leagues really try to throw a bunch of money in all these different cities and make it work with travel. They don't have any of that cost here as they get this up and running. So I think this is viewed as more of a long-term play than maybe what we've seen in recent years with these upstart leagues, like the previous XFL and like we saw with the Alliance. And logistically, in Birmingham, Hutton, I, that is right next to the BJCC Arena, right, that stadium. I've covered yep. an NCAA yes. tournament yep. there. It, it really is. There's a nice infrastructure of multiple hotels that feed those two venues right around there in downtown Birmingham. Yeah, and I, I mentioned it, it's, it's a Sheridan and a Weston that are the two hotels on top of all that. Like, yeah, they're it's really renovated in this area with the new stadium. The stadium is state-of-the-art. Uh, we're, we're upstairs in the club level. I mean, I think of UAB, and I compare it to MTSU, and MTSU doesn't come close to the type of amenities they have at UAB. Um, so if you're, if you're a fan of the non-Power 5 schools, the other five, the group of five, come check out UAB and what they've done and how they're supporting their program because this is how you do it when you get some money behind uh, a, a team in a league that traditionally doesn't put out much when it comes to all the, all the frills and how you want to get fan bases involved. It's nice. And the coaches have even been touring the place today. Yeah, I once covered a Tennessee Butler game with a young Brad Stevens at uh, coach at Butler before anyone knew who he was. Second round, Tennessee won in overtime. Uh, to get to a Sweet 16 with Chris Lofton in that BJCC arena. Jonathan Hutton is with us, of course, our co-host here, our brother on Outkick 360. He's down in Birmingham at Protective Stadium. Hutton, one more for you. Quarterbacks are going to drive in any league that's out there, and that's going to be a lot of the reason for excitement. There are some good names that are in the draft tonight. There are some really good names also that could potentially be on a roster that I know the USFL sent out, guys that – are waiting on an NFL opportunity, but if it doesn't come, there are some other big names that could be added to this league down the road. Is that true? Well, yes. Uh, they, they have a formula in place. So what they're doing with their, their scouting department, they have more or less a, a scouting group that works on behalf of the league. And, Paul, I'm curious your take on this. They go out and identify the players that can be JUCO. Let's start at the bottom tier on how you would go at addressing the, the talent. Uh, JUCO players who maybe did not go on after JUCO, after those two years, to latch on to another program uh, up and above at a four-year institution. Those guys are eligible. Of course, XFL players, Alliance players that we've seen in the past are eligible. Any player that's in the CFL that's a free agent, um, and, and any current free agent that has been on a practice squad or a training camp roster that's not on a futures contract with the NFL, that's all pooled together. 
And then they have a scouting department that sifts through all of these players, and they've identified between 400 and 500 names that all these coaches and, and these teams have gone through, and, and, and they've seen the full list. Everyone here, Fisher, uh, Larry Fedora, uh, Skip Holtz, they all think I know the eight quarterbacks that will be here tonight. I don't, and I think that's what's funny. They, there's a very short list of people who know the eight that are being flown to Birmingham. Um, so I'm intrigued to find out who they are. My guess is there will be a couple of names that have not been released that could be potentially drafted tonight. Um, and I know Fox has done a, fa- a fantastic job uh, to get ready for this, where they have some celebrities or well-known people around the, the world of sports uh, that are tied to the, 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 the teams in some way from the city, or it, whether it's Tampa Bay or Birmingham or, or in Jersey. They, they've, they've had them announcing the picks. So the first round tonight with the quarterbacks – uh, every every team knows the quarterback they have. They don't know the quarterbacks that are off the board. Uh, and we don't know any of the quarterbacks at this point. So it's going to be a surprise to all of us as they rattle off starting around 6 o'clock. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. And I think there will be a couple names that, um, you know, certainly not starting caliber quarterbacks in the NFL. I think there will be a couple names that have started games in the NFL, either been called up from a practice squad situation or a guy who had to go in as a a backup or a backup to the backup based on injury situation. But I'm intrigued by, Paul, the scope of the scouting department that's working for the league and for every team instead of every individual team having their own. They get to sift through the information they receive. I'm sure you have this on your list, but just in case you don't, 35-man roster, I'm guessing there'll be some particular value on receivers or DBs who can go both directions, or maybe even an offensive-defensive lineman. So uh, yeah, put that on there. I'm curious hey. what coaches have to say about that. If they can find some two-way players in this league, those guys will get a chance. Well, think about the most valuable positions if you can play multiple roles. Long snapper, and then to me – your kicker and punter are the same dude, yep. right? If you've got 35 Absolutely. players. So you've got to find a guy that can do both. And your long snapper is either going to play linebacker tied in or he's your center. But normally that's not the case. So I'm intrigued by how you go about doing the, the specialty positions. And then my other guess is, and I haven't been told this, if I'm coaching in the league and I'm the GM, I'm setting up my defense in a 3-3-5. Because I think you can find more versatile players to what you're speaking of, Paul, in the secondary than you can up front. And therefore, I'm going to load up on defensive backs that can play multiple positions and run. Those guys can also help me on teams. And I'm not going to go heavy on defensive line because of that. Those guys are pretty much, if if you're in the trenches, you're in the trenches. And my guess is it's going to be a lot of run and gun with the offenses that these guys are putting together with the quarterbacks and the, the wide receivers that are going to be out there. I don't think there'll be a lot of eye formation, even for Fisher. I can't wait to ask him about this. He's no. going to get, it's going to be a pass first team. Um, that may be the first time Fisher will ever admit that. I love it. Jonathan Hutton, USFL insider and having coaches coming up to him, trying to get information <laughs> from him. This is great on uh, day one in Birmingham. Hutton, thanks so much. We'll talk to you again, five o'clock Eastern. 4 o'clock Central. The plan is for Birmingham head coach Skip Holtz to join us and then Jeff Fisher in that same hour. So we'll talk to you in about an hour and 25 minutes. Thanks. Yep, that sounds great, guys. Thank you.
So, Paul, Aaron Rodgers, big topic of conversation everywhere. He was on Pat McAfee today. Yesterday, the talk was his Instagram post where he was very thankful. Gratitude. A lot of gratitude. Monday gratitude. For Shailene Woodley, for Packers teammates, and a very long Instagram post about his gratitude that got people talking, like anything with Aaron Rodgers Well, that could be read as a goodbye, and a lot of people were eager to read it as a goodbye. He comes back uh, quickly, lucky for us all, on, on Pat McAfee on his regular Tuesday spot, I guess, and says, you know, uh, it's nothing cryptic about gratitude. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, to me, it's just a whole lot more of nonsense. No announcement today. He did, you know, fortunately set a reasonable timetable for, um, you know, he, he's not going to wait a long time before deciding what he's going to do because he knows how many people it affects, um, you know, starting with Devontae Adams, but a lot of teammates, uh, coaches, GMs relying on, uh, the news of whether he's going to be back or not, or force a trade or, or whatever. Uh, you know, he was a green Bay goner last year for months and months and months. And then he showed up on the opening day of camp. And so, um, I expect he's going to be back, but we're going to know a lot sooner here, but this is just fodder to cut up and chop into little pieces and parse in green Bay. They've, cut this transcript up already into puzzle pieces and they put it together every which way. Um, I, I don't think there's that much to make of it, but it's certainly the headline story of the day. You know who Aaron Rodgers is to me, the more I think about it? He's Lane Kiffin. The guy likes drama. Oh, he loves The drama. guy likes stirring the pot. The guy likes to get people talking. I think he has like a little, there's, there's this devious nature to both those guys, that they like to get people worked up. And they stay calm in it. Aaron Rodgers is a very calm guy. It strikes me that way. Very almost zen when he's being interviewed. He, he rarely gets overly emotional or worked up. And there's a lot of parallels there with Lane Kiffin, who's a, many times the same way when he's in an interview. Almost seems like he's not excited to do anything. Just kind of that personality. And I've heard from many people that Lane Kiffin – is so smart, he can almost be awkward in social settings because he's just a very intelligent guy. The way he thinks about things, the same could be said for Aaron Rodgers. The more I see, what, which I agree with you on this one, Paul, I think it's an attempt, while he's, he's showing gratitude, he knows what he's doing. And it's an attempt to stir the pot a little bit more. But what can this I do very, that's innocent this is very that Kiffin stirs asked. the pot up? This is very Kiffin-esque with, with his Kiffin, tweets and everything else. When Kiffin's done with this... I stir the pot, A, and then I go about my business. I, I think that right now, during quiet time, Rogers is, is just, I don't know, seems Bored. like a, yeah, and he's just plotting, like, what can I do next? How do I play this whole thing out to get maximum Q rating or, or, or whatever? I want to stay in the front burner. A lot of quarterbacks get to this time of the year, they want to disappear and go unseen after being uh, MVP quarterback is front burner spotlight, intense eyes on you. And when this time comes, they disappear. They go to Malaysia so that they're not recognized. And this guy uh, continues to do it. Is Tom Brady. I mean, I know he retired, but your podcast ends when the season's over. He's still doing his weekly spot on McAfee in Feb on February 20. Second, this is dead football time. 
well, but not for him. So it's, it's two different ways to look at Aaron Rodgers to me. I mean, if you're a Packers fan or you're a fan of the team he's on, you, you hate this stuff and him being in the spotlight. But me personally, I, I love it. I don't want this guy to go to Malaysia for four months. I want him to keep tweeting out cryptic stuff or posting on Instagram because it's going to drive the conversation around Aaron Rodgers' possible landing spot if it's not Green Bay. So I'm all for it. But, I mean, what you're saying, Paul, is if you're a fan of a team, yeah, you're going to hate that. If you're his coach. Well, I want to see him the owner as opposed of the team, to not seeing him. But I, I just don't think he's sincere. I think the more I've seen of this, and I swore off him last year at whatever point, I think he's become a phony. I think he's a play actor. I think that he's – I think that there is some legitimacy there with a lot of the things he says. He talked about his cleanse today, for one. I, I think he's legitimately – Was he funny in talking about it? That guy? No, I don't think it's funny to him. I think he believes in, in that, and that's why so he's doing it. he did a cleanse it. where he forced himself to vomit. It's inducing vomit. There's a lot of cleanses like that, though. Like, it's going out one way or the other. That's the part well, of the I cleanse. know, though. There's one way like, that you, you take is stuff, like exit. cayenne pepper. There's an exit route. Gets everything it's out of you. It's not the mouth. It's not the exit Sweat route. Sweat and other ways, too. It gets all the toxins out one way or the other. Um, I, I think he's legitimately that guy. I also think he legitimately loves to get a rise out of people. And I think that the whole vaccination inoculation thing and the reaction just stirred that inside him even more. To where now he's even more, I want to fire people up. I want to put a novel behind me on the Manning cast that are going to fire people up and get them talking. And he's doing that not to make some big statement, but to get people worked up. I think he's amused by it, much like Lane Kiffin. This is a step short. This cleanse sounds a step short of ayahuasca, which I don't, I don't consider a... a a, a thing that pro quarterbacks who are doing TB12 type high tech stuff. I don't know that ayahuasca, you know, taking a trip to Peru, which is, is Peru the most popular place for ayahuasca? Well, during the break, we're going to ask Jacob Swanson all about ayahuasca, yeah. the effects, where to get it, uh, all of it. He's going to give us a, a full got, class. I, I mean, a master class on ayahuasca. Is Aaron Rodgers going to find a shaman and oh, go yeah, to that's, Peru? That's coming up during the break. Coming up in the next segment, Paul put in our show notes today. Olive Garden Reservation. That's it. That's the tease. There was a reservation at Olive short. Garden. The wizard stick is more uh, interesting. Also in the notes, wizard stick. We're going to get more to both when we come back. This is Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix.
And we are back, Outkick 360, across the Outkick Network, live from our 6th and Peabody Studios, downtown Nashville, Old Smoky Moonshine Yeehaw Beer, having a great time today. Um, Paul was having a great time this morning on our show rundown. This segment, he posted two notes. One, Olive Garden Reservation, and two, Wizard Stick, to which everyone in studio has been greatly anticipating this segment to find out the meaning of both. Well, you've seen this me. was as cryptic as anything Aaron Rodgers has ever posted, Paul. <laughs> you've seen me before. I you've seen me before, like get a wrong number phone call, and I try to have an extended conversation with that. I was unable to do this with this um, with this uh, Olive Garden reservation. I got a message, a text message on Saturday afternoon from the Olive Garden in Madison Rivergate that first said. Uh, your request for a table has been entered into our system. And then about 20 minutes later, I got, uh, your table is ready. Please see our hosts. Enjoy your meal. But I, I, was, I was excited, but I couldn't figure out a way to mess with these people. To, uh, to respond and yeah, say, to respond. I'm across the street shopping for furniture. Yeah, it's gonna can be you 10 please minutes. Yeah, push me back 20 minutes. Hold my I'm table not, for I'm 15 minutes. I'm not ready minutes. yet or something like that. Just keep it going So somebody all night. entered the wrong number. I think uh, Regan McCrossan, McCracken as I like to call her, our intern from back when we first started in our old studio, once put in a wrong number when we were out to dinner and we were trying well, to go right. downtown. Yeah. And she did this and cost us. We were starving by the time we got to the restaurant. Is there anything I could have done here to have more fun with this? I, I think the funniest thing you could have done was what I said. Said that you're across the street or Buying you walked couch. out or your kid is sick <laughs> or something and just tried to keep it going for 15-minute increments. I'm going to need another 15. Oh, now I'm doing this. I'm going to need another 15 and see if they keep re-upping the reservation. Yeah, I didn't think of that in the Is moment. that mean? Is that, no, is that mean I don't of me? Ca- I don't care if it's to mean. To do that for it's the host or fun. hostess? Not for the host or hostess, for the party. I just wanted to mess with the party. They put in the wrong number. They put in my number. So now it's my reservation. I'm just going to have fun with it. Yeah. That's right. That did happen, though, with Regan, where they, we get to the hostess and that she's like, we've been texting you for the last 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, oh, didn't, didn't see manage a thing. to put it. Well, here's like, the way, we to, way to move up the corporate ladder here at Outkick. By the, yeah. We gave you one job to not, get us uh, a meal. Not, not, a, not a great start, for so sure. So the wizard stick, which some people are already giving me uh, uh, lip, for not calling it Thank a wand. Thank you for not saying the word you wanted to say <laughs> yeah. right there. I, I love how you hesitated before saying it. They want me desperately to call it a wand, but I feel I'm informing people more by calling it a wizard stick. You're going for people who definition. don't understand what a wand yeah, is. A wand is a wizard I'm stick. I'm calling it. So let's show the first photo here. So at Universal Studios, where the media party was, they're nice enough to give you a gift bag as you walk out. Now, somehow they knew that Chad had daughters. And they Tyler you, Castle, by the way, very quick on the reveal. That was perfect. Yeah, I mean, you perfect. said it. Much it faster than Swanson. Swanson, you're never to do that again. That was great. Yeah. Um, that so is now your job You forever, got a Tyler. stuffed animal, which was great. So you gave the stuffed animal to one of your daughters. You only had to shop. Yeah, and it was, it was something from Harry Potter. It was uh, an owl. Yeah, you Harry pulled Potter. it out. I, you're like, this is I'm, great. I'm unfamiliar with the Meanwhile, books, I pull so mine I out, and I got this damn wizard stick. Yeah. Which I've got nothing to do for a wizard stick. Wand, if you will. It's a wizard stick in a nice case, too. Not just the wizard stick, but a wizard well, stick in a case. Well, it's very hard to open this box. Uh, very, very difficult box to open. Now, I'm thoroughly unimpressed with this. None of us have any connection to Harry Potter whatsoever. Now, I have some friends with kids who've been very into Harry Potter. Very, very in. So I think, well, the only enthusiasm I'm going to get out of this is to show these friends. And they start making fun of me not being into it. We look up the price. I think this is worth $39.99. Now, it really is 
a stick with like a plastic handle on it. Now, I'm told if you wave it in just the precise way, the tip of it lights up. But um, I said, we all know I can't make anything, but send me on a five-minute walk and I can, quote, unquote, make this stick over and over and over. So at Simon's baseball practice, I started sending these following pictures of my version of the wizard stick. Watch these. Look at that. A wizard stick. Yeah. Here comes another one. A wizard stick. Yes. Look, here comes a third wizard stick. Look, For those just, listening, these are just sticks yeah. that Paul stumbled across. I mean, I could have set time. up a shop here, sold these for $10 less, $29.99, and all these Hogwarts would have come running and uh, whatever they are. I, I could have made some serious cash. These I feel Hogwarts. Like. Yeah. Whatever those are. Yeah. Um, so Isn't that a school? I think that's my a friend school. David said, are you taking a five minute stroll through an inject injection molded plastic <laughs> manufacturer in Asia? <laughs> I said, no, I'm just walking around the baseball field. This is one of the biggest scams ever. I mean, I'm glad I got the free gift. I'm looking for somebody to give the magic stick to, but, um, I, I can't. And, and by the way, while you guys were doing rides or getting drinks, I walked through one of these stores at universal. They had 50,000 of these sticks on the shelf. These wizard sticks. How much? What was the retail price? I didn't these look, sticks? but my friend looked it up and he says they're $39.99. Wow. The Can markup has to be $39.92. <laughs> cents. Seven cents. To I make mean, this how stick. much could that cost? Mine was free, this one. Yeah. That's tough. 40 bucks for that stick. By the way, um, how much do you think Adam, your animal was worth? Oh, it was probably, you know, $80 25? or something. Oh, you Ridiculous. Think? No. Uh, but I mean, you know, they're going to mark it up. It's a good time. looking owl. I mean, um, see, that owl's relatable whether you're a fan of the Hogwarts or not. The stick is absolutely unrelatable if you're not a fan of uh So Adam Harry Brown, Potter. our current intern, uh, tagged a bunch of Harry Potter accounts on this topic, and we got a like and a retweet from something called Harry Potter Knox, and it has 200,000 followers oh, sweet. for this segment. Uh, I don't know that our numbers are there right now. You think they're going to find it humorous, or well, are they going to come after? What if, in a weird twist, we suddenly got a bunch of Harry Potter fans that were just huge fans of the show? We'll have to learn all the, the all the lingo. We'll have to get a Harry Potter dictionary. Amazing. I keep telling Simon he's going to be reading these books. He's not interested at all. Uh, what we are interested in, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. We're talking NFL with the man, the myth, the legend, John McClain. That's next. This is Outkick 360.